You're listening to Tech Talks Pandemic, a podcast project of the Women's High Tech Coalition and Wiley Connected, a platform of podcasts on tech, law, and policy produced by Wiley Ryan, a Washington, D.C. law firm. In Tech Talks Pandemic, the public and private sectors come together to chat about the government response to the coronavirus and how tech, big and small, and across industries is stepping up to help. I'm Christina Wilcox, Executive Director of the Women's High Tech Coalition. We are a nonprofit, 501c3 nonpartisan organization founded to promote the exchange of ideas among leaders in the public and private sectors, whose focus is technology, innovation, and the development of public policy. Learn more about us at womenshightech.org. I'm Megan Brown, board member of Women's High Tech and a partner at Wiley Ryan. Wiley Ryan's a law firm at the nexus of technology, law, and policy with a uniquely DC perspective. You can find us at wiley.law. We're delighted to bring you Tech Talks Pandemic. Thanks for listening. We're really delighted to have Stanley Pierre-Louis here with us today on the Women's High Tech Coalition Tech Talks Pandemic podcast. With more than two decades of entertainment and media experience, Stan leads the Entertainment Software Association's public policy efforts to show off the dynamic impact that this $44 billion video game industry has on business, entertainment, and culture. ESA represents companies like EA, Microsoft, Ubisoft, Activision Blizzard, Riot, and Nintendo. Prior to his years with ESA, Stan was in leadership at Viacom and RIAA. ESA and its members have been fully engaged in numerous aspects of the response to COVID-19. So with the purpose of the Tech Talks Pandemic podcast being to enable tech leaders and policymakers to talk about how tech is enabling responses, Stan, we're really pleased that you've joined us today. I know you're very busy, so thank you for, for joining the podcast. Well, I'm very excited to be joining you, and I commend you and Wiley, as well as the Women's High Tech Coalition, for putting together this fantastic forum to talk about pressing policy issues, but most importantly, how industries are working to help in this really surreal moment in human history. Yeah, no, our pleasure. It's been really, really quite fun, actually. So first off, how are you doing, and how is the pandemic affecting your day-to-day life? Let me first talk about ESA, uh, because we're still adjusting to this new reality, and we're following the same news that everyone else has to figure out how to make decisions moving forward. We are fortunate to be part of an industry that is digital first, and because of that, we've had to channel our mindset to be the same. So our transition as an organization has been pretty seamless because we've always been trained to think about what's next and what is digital and how do we communicate? So that portion has gone well. In terms of uh, my family life, that's been interesting because the most confused member of our household is our three and a half year old black lab who is excited to have everyone at home, but can't understand why we're all working and not spending more playtime. So we've got to figure out that balance, but otherwise, I think we've been fortunate given all the news that yeah. we're seeing. We likewise feel very blessed I, in my personal life, but also with the law firm. The transition's been actually far better than I expected, although it remains surreal. And you know the interruptions and weird things that come from working at home all the time are pretty substantial. Can you give our listeners a sense of how the gaming industry contributes to innovation in the economy? I mean, that's a, a broad question, but what might surprise our listeners to learn about the gaming industry if they're not themselves sort of gamers, although many of them probably are? Well, video games uh, have really become ubiquitous. They are 
uh, a very mainstream part of entertainment today, not only in the US, but worldwide. In fact, there are more than 2.6 billion people who play video games in some way, shape, or form around the world. And when I say they become an outlet for every demographic, what I mean is uh, everyone is playing video games. Uh, some of the listeners might be surprised to learn that 46% of US gamers are women, and that just as many people over 50 play as under 18. So you have this wide demographic of people playing because there are so many different kinds of games available. And in fact, when, when I talk to members of Congress or their staff, and we talk about the fact that 75% of US households have a gamer in the household, no one is surprised anymore because either they play or their kids play or their grandkids play. And it's really a way that people connect and uh, find joy in a collaborative way. So gaming, what has surprised me in working with ESA over the years is gaming's not just for entertainment, although entertainment is certainly a, a very valuable part of society and, and life, but it contributes to other innovations. Can you describe or give us a couple of examples of that sort of contribution that the gaming sector with all of its technology and smart folks is driving other innovations? Video games are primarily made for entertainment. That is the core of our industry. We want to make sure we're amazing and delighting fans around the world. And so part of our story with policymakers is to really drive home the fact that we're bringing something of value that people really appreciate and enjoy. You know, there are all kinds of games developed for new platforms. So as new platforms emerge, new games are made, which means new technologies need to be created. You have advanced graphics because people love seeing what's great about video games and in life combined. Uh, but behind that means you have to have innovation happening all the time and, and users have come to expect it. And so it drives innovations in lots of other industries. And you're only seeing advanced storylines, more modern stories being told. So it's another way of expression in this really important way. Uh, you see happening in video games ends up impacting other fields. If you think of VR and AR, you know, uh, virtual reality and augmented reality, Video games have played a really important role in developing those technologies because games are so apt for those fields uh, and beyond. It's interesting to note that Walmart actually onboards its new employees through VR. And it's exciting because they find it as an efficient way and a consistent way to get their messaging out about how to treat customers and how to work. And you have companies like Microsoft that not only make video games, but make products like the HoloLens, which is augmented reality, which means you see the world, but then other things interact through these lenses that you have. And it's been used in medical training. And so you don't need cadavers to understand the body because you can look through the body by using this technology. And they do that in conjunction with some medical schools. And they also use it for various applications, whether it's military or scientific research or just job training. You're able to, at a long distance, be able to show someone how to do something while you're using the lens simultaneously. So a lot of exciting technologies coming from innovations in video games, but applied to various platforms. And then finally, you're also seeing how video game play is impacting our culture at large. There's the development of esports, which is competitive gameplay. But particularly during this crisis, you've seen athletes competing against one another, playing their sports through video games, whether it's NASCAR, the NHL, the NBA, and people who turn to those channels on their regular networks are surprised to learn that they're not watching real players, but they're watching 
the graphical rendition of those players. So you're seeing video games play a different role in entertainment than it did before. So it's an exciting time to be in the space. Well, it's really interesting. I totally agree. I watched my son with some of the football themed games he has and the play is so realistic. I do wonder, is it going to supplant some of the things we're more familiar with? Uh, You have said repeatedly, and ESA makes a point of this, play is a profound part of the human experience and it really does connect people globally in important ways. The pandemic, I think, is proving that out. My mom, who's in her 70s, went online and ordered herself some VR goggles and has been playing games in her basement, slicing fruit and doing all that stuff. So I, I personally have seen on the demographic part of it that it's it's broadening, I think, and the pandemic is, I think, a catalyst for that because people are looking for those outlets. So how are you seeing uh, the pandemic either validate ESA's positions or drive forward the the adoption of these technologies? Well, it's great that we have a septuagenarian fruit ninja in the brown household. So that's exciting (laughs) to learn. I will tell you, we have an octogenarian in our family. My mother-in-law, who's 80, uh, not only plays with my son, who's 13, uh, she now plays bridge online with her friends because they can't get together uh, as they normally might. And so we're seeing that play in a very real way. And, And even with my son, who's 13, you know, he is now connecting with friends in a very different way, whether it's through the chat functions or through gameplay. They've got this digital playground where they get to stay connected and not feel isolated during this time that can be really, really um, devastating, particularly for young people. So uh, we're seeing it on that level. And we're also seeing that video games are helping form communities around the world. You've seen reports of people using video games as an outlet, but also as a way to stay connected. And I think that's the thing that excites us the most is that we're able to drive communities to stay together and to progress at this time where you otherwise might feel isolated. So let's talk about education. You mentioned some of the youth experiences with games as a way to connect uh, when they're not, I guess, doing their 45th Zoom classroom event. But are are video games going to save me from having to homeschool my children? Because (laughs) this has been a challenging period. My kids are old enough that they don't need as much handholding. But if video games because if we could have like a, a video game teacher situation, I, I would love that. So talk about that, please, Dan. Well, you are seeing the gamification of education in a myriad of ways. And I think that video games are progressing in that way. There are some games that are popular games that have been used as educational vehicles. And then there are some games that are really made specifically for education. On the former, there are companies like Microsoft that own Minecraft. Uh, that have an education edition that have been used by teachers around the world, educating more than 35 million students on developments in history or science or math. And so you're seeing games used that way. There's an interesting um, company called Ubisoft, which makes amazing games. And one of them is called Assassin's Creed. And uh, it takes you through these historical periods and you play as characters. They developed one of their games without the gameplay, but with the storylines that go in between the gameplay. And some teachers have found it to be so accurate in terms of the historical relevance and, and findings that they use it in classrooms. Even during COVID, they, they've used it in the classrooms. And so you're seeing a lot of that indefatigable work on historical context being put into games enough to be used in schools. But then there are companies that have focused on education themselves. There's actually a local company here in Washington called Legends of Learning, 
uh, who make games that are really geared towards science and math. And they've had a lot of success, not only uh, in other periods, but certainly now. And they've even made some offers for free. Educators can use them with kids and parents can use them at home. And there's a, a company founded uh, by a really important innovator who was concerned with the lack of civics education in the United States and really wanted that to be her legacy. And that innovator was Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who hired a staff to figure out how do I reach that demographic, particularly middle school. And everyone came back and said, oh, it's video games. And she said, great, we're making a video game. And it's become a very popular way. And I think the largest civics education provider in our country, a company called iCivics, out of that kernel of of, a, of an insight uh, came this really dramatic way of teaching kids through games how to resolve conflicts, how to build a society, and how to respect one another in a really important way that I think will benefit society uh, moving forward. That's really exciting. I, I watched uh, Justice O'Connor testify before the Senate years ago about her iCivics stuff, probably before they had the video game component to it. And it was one of the really nice, rare moments of this sort of bipartisan civility talking about Justice uh, O'Connor and, and what she was about. So that's nice to hear that the breadth of, of gaming covers such diverse and useful topics um, and approaches. So what I've seen on your website, game generation, what is game generation and what should people know about it? Sure. We realized that video games were impacting people in so many positive ways, but that story wasn't being told in a really unified way. Uh, when we talk to people outside of the industry about how video games impact them, they might have an initial reaction based on historical stereotypes. But when you ask about their personal experience or their families, it was very positive. And when you ask people within the industry about their experience, it's been a driver for them. It's been a a touchstone for so many other things that they've learned or people they've met or places where they've traveled. And, and we thought it was important to really celebrate it and, and give people permission to celebrate uh, this uh, really important, uh, innovative pastime that they were in love with. And so game generation is really about uh, advancing three themes that we found common in all the experiences we've talked to people about. The first is this sense of community. Right now, 65% of American adults who play video games play together, either in person or online with someone. And they find that it drives their interest in the game, but also it advances their relationships. And if you look at the outgrowth of how video games have, have really become popular around the world, it's really through this play. When people play a FIFA game that you mentioned earlier, uh, they're playing against friends, but also against you know others around the world and they're making that connection. And so we thought, let's celebrate that community aspect. And the second is games are inclusive because there are games for everyone. You mentioned your 70 year old mom now using VR goggles for Fruit Ninja and other activities. I mean, that's, that's fantastic that she's found something that someone else will like in a different demographic, but there are various games being created. And with those games come a few things. One is a sense of empathy, that people who play against others think differently about those people. When they play as different characters, they can identify with characters in different ways. And so let's celebrate that. And I think there's a sense of perseverance that when you're getting from level to level to level, you're able to do so without the consequence of real life. Like you're actually building grit, which we all want. So there are all these side benefits included 
in that pillar. And the third is the inspiration we've been talking about for other fields, whether it's education or healthcare. Video games are being used in lots of exciting ways to propel uh, society in new ways. Uh, one of the more popular ways of doing physical therapy now is to send people home with a video game to mimic the activities because it's more fun than just doing your 10 sets of arm twists. Mm -hmm. And so they're finding that uh, people are not only healing well, but they're doing their exercises longer because they forget about the exercise and they're they're playing the game, but the game is the exercise. So we're finding that video games have started infiltrating so many aspects of life that we deem critical. And we ought to highlight those things so people understand that yes, we are about entertaining our audiences, but we also contribute in many ways that are innovative and beneficial to society. One of the areas that I want to pick up on that last thread, this is a Women's High Tech Coalition podcast, and a lot of our focus as an organization has been addressing equity and opportunity in tech, um, from STEM stuff to Girls Who Code to women's leadership on the Hill and in companies. Can you talk a little bit about how you see gaming affected and being affected by women and girls? Girls who play video games are three times as likely to earn a STEM degree in college. And they're also more likely to matriculate through college than in other tech fields, uh, having had that experience. So what's exciting about video games and girls in particular is it just fuels this interest in what's behind the screen, what's under the keyboard. And it may lead to a career in something other than video games. You might be in aerospace creating simulations or you might do other kinds of research. But that excitement about learning gets fueled by games because people who play the games want to know how they're made. They want the technology to be better. They want a better gaming rig if, if that's how they play their games. And so we find that the excitement of games actually fuels excitement in career. And I think it leads to more leadership opportunities. You know, some of the leaders in our field are women. You know, the Halo game uh, put up by Microsoft is led by Bonnie Ross. And you know, she's a great gamer and an even greater uh, executive in terms of thinking about the advancement of the game, but also creating opportunities for others. So you're seeing more and more women grow into leadership ranks in our industry. And I think that leads to inclusivity in games and inclusivity in, in how we play the games and so and storylines and, and all of those important factors in gameplay and game creation. So it's leading both to more women and girls being interested in the sciences and in STEM in particular, but also leadership opportunities in a field that has really opened up to anyone can win if you're interested in, in what's going on and you put in um, all the effort that everyone else does. So it's an exciting time to be in the space. Well, speaking of um, being in the space and some of the companies that you've mentioned, a lot of your members are household names in the gaming sector. Uh, what are they doing to address the challenges posed by this pandemic? You have a website that has a lot of links to some of their, um, you know, philanthropic and other activities that maybe highlight a few examples of how they're going the extra mile to help their communities. I mentioned earlier that the global audience for video games is about 2.6 billion people. What that means is there's an ability to reach people at unprecedented levels. Uh, for a lot of positive outcomes. And so one of the things our industry has led in doing is messaging, getting the health messages out, whether it's staying at home, washing hands, all the other messaging on health and safety that's been important. 
And that ability to reach that audience has also been leveraged by other groups, including the World Health Organization, which in its top five pillars for health and safety around COVID-19, stressed playing video games to stay at home. So we've seen worldwide efforts uh, by those kinds of organizations, but also our companies in, within industry thinking about how to get messaging to the audiences. And that's also spawned a lot of organic movements within industry among players to get the messaging out, uh, to stay at home, to social distance, and do all those things. You've also seen tremendous amount of donations from the video game sector. You know, Sony announced a hundred million dollar worldwide sort of global fund through the pandemic. And we've had other companies along the way do both global and local things. Um, really trying to figure out how do I help first responders in my area um, and, and make sure that they recognize that we're part of that community because video games get made all over the United States. And so video game companies all over have tried to do their part in not only the messaging, but making donations. They've also, in some cases, uh, designated percentage of sales for some limited time to COVID relief funds. And we've seen just tremendous pickup from our audiences and contributing through those ways, either through buying or making direct contributions themselves. And I think the other thing that we've also done at this time is to make sure we get messaging out, especially to parents about what it means to be a home for this long and playing games and making sure they have the information they need. Uh, we have a self-regulatory body within our industry uh, called the Entertainment Software Rating Board, the ESRB, and their information is available at esrb.org. And they've done a great job of getting blogs out and doing interviews about the fact that parents can actually manage gameplay at home. Uh, you can manage the amount of time spent, the amount of money spent. You can understand everything about a game through our rating system and additional information provided there. Uh, but most importantly, to set rules at home, to have those conversations, to actually play the games with your kids, because that's when you really get to know what's going on. And then most importantly, work in breaks, right? Figure out for your family and for their needs, uh, what's the right amount of time to play? And that's all within the family control. And so we encourage you know, parents to take control of those opportunities, but also to play together and spend the time you have at home, but that commute time you don't have, spend the time playing with your kids. And they, does that website enable me to not stink at the games? Because when I play with my son, he crushes me every time. <laughs> Well, I, I will say that, you know, in, in physical sports, you can last longer before your kids grow than in, in these kinds of games. Because I, too, as a 13-year-old, on some games, I have, uh, I can't keep up. But what I will say is, in a game that has more mental acuity, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count like Madden football, for example, because you've got to call plays if you're what you're doing, I could beat him there because I know his tendencies. Uh, but in the other games, it's been impossible to keep up because he, he just devotes more time to it. He's got faster eye and coordination, and he's really passionate about some of the games he chooses over the ones I, I choose. Yeah. Well, last topic I wanted to cover before we let you get back to what is no doubt a very busy time. The pandemic is obviously impacting jobs in the economy across the country and the world. Your members are really, truly global. Can you share your thoughts? I mean, you're very senior in this important and large industry. Can you share your observations and thoughts about how the gaming industry is faring and how sort of supply chain and labor force disruptions are affecting your sector of the economy? Our industry has always been consumer focused. 
and we have a very digital audience. So that's meant being a digital first industry. And that's been beneficial to our industry throughout a lot of economic downturns uh, in this country and throughout the world. And so I, I think that is kind of a, a kind of a first observation about where we are as an industry and how we transitioned uh, during this crisis from office work to remote work. And, and that's been positive. I think second, video games have been a really positive outlet for consumers while at home. And so the forecasts for our industry remain positive, but it's really too early to tell because we're still in the beginning phases of what may be a very long stretch. Uh, there are new consoles coming out this year, as well as new games being launched. And I think we're going to have to see how those offerings resonate with consumers and where we are in the world. I think there's been a lot of advanced planning, which has helped with some of those games and some of those consoles. So, so far, supply chain hasn't been an issue. But again, it's very early in the crisis, and we'll have to see what impact there is. I think our number one goal is to keep entertaining our audiences, but also to keep contributing in a way overall um, to this fight against the pandemic. And I think that's going to remain core. When our companies look at the urgencies, number one for them is making sure that they have a labor force that is healthy and safe. And that has been their priority. And they haven't seen major disruptions at this point in their labor force. And with so much coming out this year, it's critical that people remain safe, healthy, and sane um, in, in these working conditions. I think that's been a priority. So we've been fortunate. We have a very positive outlook. Supply chain issues haven't yet arisen based on the public information that we've seen, uh, but we're still very vigilant, and we recognize that in these times, nothing can be taken for granted. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Stan, for your insights and for taking the time to join me and the Women's High Tech Coalition. Uh, ESA has been a big supporter of the Women's High Tech Coalition with uh, Missy Foxman serving on our board and others who support our events and programming. So thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. It's been a real privilege and keep doing the great work that you do. Happy to. If uh, listeners want more information about COVID response resources, ESA's website, theesa.com slash COVID-19 has useful information about the efforts of ESA members and their responses to COVID-19. So thank you very much for joining this episode of Tech Talks Pandemic. Thank you for tuning in to Tech Talks Pandemic, a collaboration between the Women's High Tech Coalition and Wiley Ryan. If you enjoyed this episode of Tech Talks Pandemic, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For additional resources and materials, head over to womenshightech.org and wileyconnect.com. Thank you for listening. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Tech Talks Pandemic podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Wiley Ryan LLP and its employees. The material contained in this podcast is not intended to be and is not considered legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship.